1: Today, we are just six days away from the first round of the 2023 NFL Draft. Today, we have brought on draft expert, Kyle Dvorchak of Rotoworld, to help you uncover value in your dynasty and best ball drafts. This is ADP Chasing. Let's go. Pat
2: Fryer-Helmo. <laughs> this is what? I'm hot. Wow, Anita hand, hand job. Fix your sight. Jamar. Alpha oh, play chase. <laughs> Are heat. you kidding
3: me? Are you call me? You can't handle
2: the heat. See, it looks like we're finally at this point here,
3: right? <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> hey
1: everybody. Uh excited to have Kyle and Davis joining us today to talk some NFL draft, talk some best ball values. Uh, Kyle, how are you doing? Besides me, just absolutely uh, butchering your your name on the intro. Hope you're doing. Hope you're doing all right today.
2: Oh yeah, I'm doing well. I'm pretty much done with draft content. I, I have stuff still coming out, but it's already in the hopper, except for a final mock draft. So I am I'm free. I'm finally uh, free of these bonds up until the night of the draft, which is then the most work I have to do, and then the next day and the next day. Uh, so I have like a few days off for the most part.
1: Yeah, that's nice. And so for the draft, you have to just do all the blurbs of the players that get selected, that that type of work, once that actually starts off?
2: Yeah, that. And then I have a bunch of content coming out after the draft, so.
1: Gotcha. Yeah, it's going to be a crazy time with all the, figure out all the landing spots, how that affects everything. Um, Davis, how are you doing? Um, any Anything you're working on over at uh, your, your newsletter?
3: Yeah, we. so I just did my first rookie draft, this league that I'm in that Scott Barrett commissions. We do our rookie draft before the NFL draft, which always, I mean, generally speaking, there's always one guy uh, in every rookie draft who goes from being like, you know, like Isaiah Pacheco was the guy last year. He literally didn't get taken in our rookie draft, ended up being, was he like the 204 or something like that last year in the end? Um, I mean, uh Clyde Edwards great example. What one ten uh in our draft ended up being the one oh one or the one oh two. Really it's all it's all sort of Chiefs Bills centric, where when those guys take a player, uh, it could be a guy who no one cares about who ends up going really high. So that's a, it's a fun it's a fun little exercise to see how much the landing spot ends up impacting how we value these guys.
1: Yeah, that's interesting. I, I'm thinking this year like whoever the dolphins take in the fourth or fifth round at running back is, is going to be that guy that just, I don't know if it's Eric gray or some random running back like that. I could see people just pumping that guy up draft boards. Cause I mean, they really, I mean, they did resign most certain Wilson, but it's kind of wide open there. They didn't give a ton of money to those guys. So I think we'll definitely have some of those situations this year where some deep, rookie running back or wide receiver just these are
3: these are my guesses my guess is tyler scott gets drafted to a good team like a good passing offense bills Bengals, chiefs even even eagles the eagles probably need a third wide receiver and uh the same guy i've been saying for the entirety of the existence of adp chasing roshan johnson gets selected as a top 70 pick to a team that needs a passing down back and all of a sudden everyone falls all over themselves to draft roshan johnson
2: yeah, I'm I gonna say goes the other that. way. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say Roshan goes way lower than fantasy guys think. Cause like I haven't talked. I hate, I hate to, this, Kyle. I well, I love him too. I I have talked every like fantasy or just like non like uh, you know Schefter type right, non plugged into the NFL like grinding the mocks type. Everyone who just like cares about fantasy stats or just stats or just NFL from a very outsider's perspective. Uh, they love Roshan, of course they do. He's awesome. He's big. He can do everything. Why wouldn't you like him? And then you like pull up like people seven round mocks, and it's like fifth round to to the Bills or whatever. Like, of course, Bills would be kind of an interesting landing spot. But like, no, but this is I, this is so this is the key thing, very key
3: thing you got to remember with seven round drafts is that teams do not have two hundred and fifty people boards. They have like one hundred and twenty to one hundred and forty guys on their board, and so. It, and especially, we talked about this on the show last week. A running back pick in the fourth round now is like a running back pick in the second round ten years ago. You know, it, it generally means you like that guy. At least that's my copium on Roshan Johnson. <laughs>
1: yeah, as to said, it kind of sounds like cope. Mm. We're coping now that we're, we're getting into the rookie running backs. Let's uh, let's pull up this chart here. I actually, so I was interested. We've been talking about these running backs. I was interested in looking at how their projected draft capital uh, has changed from the start of this process till till now. Now, we're, again, we're just like six days before the draft. Um, so I'm all this is all the running backs here. This is kind of hard to see. Um, I'll, I'll zoom in on sort of a group of running backs eventually. But the first thing I wanted to point out is it's kind of remarkable. Bijan, Gibbs, Charbonnet, and A-Chain have basically just been flat lines the entire time. Like nobody... Like everyone at the start of the process, you know, valued Bijan as sort of a top 15 overall player. And he's kind of just stayed there the entire time. Similar story with Gibbs, Charbonnet, and A-Chain. I think the interesting group to discuss, and we hit on some of it talking about Roshan, is this sort of running back 5 to 14 tier. You look at like any fantasy analyst or even NFL draft draft analysts, their their rankings at running back, and there's just no consensus for this group, you know, talking about guys like Ty J. Spears, Roshan Johnson, yeah. Izzy Abanakanda, Chase Brown, Sean Tucker, you'll see them ranked every which way. Um, so I thought this was interesting just to pull up and see how some of these guys have trended. I, I think one that jumps out and maybe we can start the discussion here is Ty J. Spears actually has sort of trended up. Um, and now is according to NFL mock draft dat- database has sort of separated himself as being the the RB5 uh, in this class. So, yeah, interested in uh, starting with you, Kyle, what is your take on Tajay Spears? I think he's been a, like a little bit under the radar compared to some of these other guys. But, um, yeah, if you just look at the mock draft database um, data, he does sort of show up here as being sort of a clear RB5.
3: Oh, you're muted, bro man man's man's is a rookie to the podcasting game he unplugged well, i was drinking
2: mic. uh i was drinking something and didn't want you to hear my slurping uh like <laughs> i get why the nfl views him as like the rb5 right See, the other thing that is probably more useful than running between the tackles he's going to be a really good third down back it looks like at least i mean that's our best projection for him but like as uh as my fantasy rb5 like Nah, give me Roshan. Give me like Izzy. Izzy is big. He's like, what, like 210 or something, I think, with like true track speed. Like, give me that dude who could handle 200 some odd touches and also has like the efficiency of maybe like a Devon A-chain. Like, he has that speed to him. Like, that's honestly, like, I'm surprised like A-chain to separate himself so much. I think it's another thing where like the NFL sees A-chain as a dude who can like consistently average over five yards a carry on a meaningful amount of touches – uh, but that number isn't going to be over 200. He's just too, like we just don't see guys at his weight go. Uh, and the same for Tajay Spears. We don't see these guys at this size get a ton of touches. And like without knowing where these guys are landing yet, I want guys who have like three down profiles if they're priced as if they don't. That's why I love Roshan and why I'm yep. super nervous that the NFL doesn't like him as much as, as I do as much as Davis does. Cause like, He looks like he has a three down profile. He looks like he maybe won't catch as many passes as Tajay Spears, but like he could probably come close and he's like 30 pounds heavier or something, 20 pounds heavier. Like give me these big three down potential guys, or honestly, even for some of them, give me the two like first and second down guys like a Dwayne McBride or Kendra Miller for fantasy purposes over someone like Spears given that right now I'm not hundred percent sure what the draft capital differential will be like, obviously like someone like Kendra, like Kendra Miller, Dwayne McBride, Izzy, one of these guys is going to fall to like the, the seventh round. I'm like, okay, you can take them off your board. They're probably not going to produce many fantasy points. And Spears jumps into the third and I have to like adjust from my priors. But right now, like, I think there are a lot of High, higher at least volume backs going significantly behind on this chart, at least behind Tajay Spears. And maybe that is just the differential of how the NFL views them and what they can do for a team versus how we play the game of fantasy.
1: I agree with that. And I've been sort of approaching Spears similarly in my best ball drafts, where he strikes me as a guy who's a better real life NFL player than a fantasy player. I mean, projects as a pass catching back, he doesn't have great speed either. So I, I do worry a bit of just like what's what's the upside with him. But yeah, Davis, any thoughts on on Spears? Do you view him similarly to to Kyle and I or do you you see more potential upside there?
3: I mean, just in general, I'm probably lower it it seems that I'm lower on this running back class than a lot of people on fantasy Twitter. Like it seems like lots of people are. Exc- like just and you could just find a guy who's like find a guy who's into chase brown find a guy who's into Dwayne mcbride <laughs> find a guy who's into tank bigsby find a guy who's into to tajay spears and i'm very agnostic when it comes to running backs in general like i just think so much of this shit doesn't matter like i you know wait 40 I, I used to get so into this and evaluating running back prospects and which one of these guys caught passes and backfield dominator rating and really at the end of the day most of these guys aren't going to get to a second contract in the NFL. In fact, I'd be surprised if more than 50% of them do. And it's really just going to be what is their luck like where they land? Do they do they get drafted to a place where the starting running back tears his ACL in the preseason, and then they get to play, and they play well as a rookie? Or do, like, James Robinson, right? Great example. Some people kind of like James Robinson as a prospect. I remember um, J.J. did, like, his models liked him and stuff. Mm-hmm. But guess what? We never were going to see shit out of James Strong. So we were never going to learn anything (laughs) about him if things just didn't kind of go his way when he was an undrafted free agent, right? And if Israel Abanakanda gets drafted in the fourth round to the Eagles and Rashad Penny breaks his ankle in week two and Kenneth Gainwell injures his hand in week four, then Abanakanda might be Miles Sanders for the next three years, right? Might score all these touchdowns, might be great. Or he might not, right? He might not even make the team. He might be special teams only. He might be a healthy scratch. Like, uh, Trey Sermon, who is just bad, right? Trey Sermon stinks. Yeah. If things had gone Trey Sermon's way, I mean, Trey Sermon started two NFL games. He was mostly fine in them. They were playing Kyle Juszczyk more than they wanted to, but he was mostly fine. And we also just sort of laugh about Trey Sermon as sort of this a classic example of a running back bust and a team drafting a running back too high. But... It just comes down to opportunity for these guys. It really does. And so the thing I like to focus on is, does their body type allow them? Are their coaches going to get them in the room and be like, this is a third down back. This is first down. uh, You know, this is Tyler Algier. We're never throwing him the ball. Or is this a guy who can do both? Like, I think that is probably the most important principle for evaluating these guys. And Spears, you know, kind of slow, 200 pounds, like, he seems fine, but I'm not like I'm not like uh you know, I'm not I'm not going I'm not doing jumping jacks for him.
1: Yeah, that that makes a lot of sense. And and speaking of guys that just profile in terms of you know what they showed in college and also at the combine in terms of size and speed. One guy I've been taking a lot in best ball drafts is Tank Bigsby. Um j- just based on yeah, those factors. He's 210 pounds, had decent decent combine numbers. You know, here on this chart, he shows up as the running back seven by projected draft capital. He's definitely not like the sexiest prospect. I know a lot of people Once you dig into like the efficiency stuff with him. He doesn't jump off the page by any means. No one seems to be super high in him. But for me, it's just like, Hey, this guy goes at pick 200 in best ball drafts. He, at least to me has a profile that looks like he has the potential to be good enough and he's, at everything. He's big
3: and he went to a blue blood school. I mean, you forget yeah. that's a big part of it too. Like, guess what, dude, sec running backs don't go undrafted it just it just doesn't really happen like it like he's gonna get a one round bump because he went to auburn
1: yeah but kyle i'm curious on your take on on bigsby i did notice in your your rookie rankings you seem to be a bit lower on him i think you have him as rb 15 or something in that range Uh, he definitely shows up a little bit higher here just curious your your thoughts on him from a fantasy perspective
2: yeah with a lot of these guys i'm kind of in the davis tier of like I mostly want to know what they're going to, not even how good they're going to be. Cause like so much of how good they're going to be is like, oh, did you play behind the the Eagles line? You look pretty good behind that line. Uh, Or like, did you get 300? Like, are you James Robinson? and You got 300 touches as a a rookie. Yeah. That's going to put up fantasy points. Like, so are you capable of getting 300 touches? I don't think tank will ever catch passes, but like there aren't a lot. I mean, if if there were three down back, they'd be going earlier, but there really aren't outside of like some of the guys who profile physically as guys you can handle three downs, but like, you know, Dwayne McBride, that dude ain't catching passes. Like, I don't care what team he lands on dude ain't catching passes. So, but, uh, but, Tank- so
3: this is where we get ourselves in trouble though. Cause he probably can like, like, I like that's the, that's the, if the team just throws him the ball three times a game, I mean, I'm not saying he's ever going to be LaShawn McCoy, you know, but, but he could be Fournette. And you know, catch three passes a game or whatever.
1: I'm skeptical about the Fournette comp because I think Fournette is actually a better receiver than we give him credit for. Yeah, yeah. well,
3: Um, come on, that's that's not that's not in sticking with the the theme of the of the program.
1: (laughs) But I see what you're saying. That like, I bet he like his target share McBride's is like the lowest like I've ever seen for running back in college. Like, I don't think he's actually physically incapable of catching passes, but I think the track record of guys who have as low of a receiving share as he did in college being like plus receivers in the NFL is just pretty low. But could he do like the Kenneth Walker thing where like everyone was hammering Kenneth Walker for not being able to catch passes? And he got like 30 passes last year and was on the by the end of the year he was on the field um in passing situations at least some of the time. Like I, I don't think it's impossible McBride could could do that. But um yeah i wouldn't be excited about his receiving profile
2: yeah i agree like they'll they'll put guys out there who like aren't good pass catchers but like he's big enough to play all three downs and if you play him on third down it maybe gives you the illusion you can run but like who do we project for a higher target share in the nfl wayne mcbride or tajay spears like we can be a little less nihilistic than i think david is saying i'm still somewhat nihilistic i'm still what about what about
3: what about deuce vaughn bro what's what's deuce vaughn's target share gonna be (laughs) He's 20%. he's
2: gotta <laughs> he's gotta have a good target share because you can't have that dude run between the tackles, even though he ran so many times in college. I hope he succeeds, but like
3: nothing would make <laughs> me more happy than Deuce Vaughn succeeding.
2: As as fellow short kings, I know Davis and I are both uh we're significantly taller than Deuce Vaughn somehow. Both relatively short guys. Uh we are really pulling for Deuce. Yeah.
3: I, I literally am Deuce Vaughn's size because I'm overweight. Like me and Deuce Vaughn are like basically the same size, which is insane to think about someone of my body type, my size. Well, body type is not
2: what Deuce Vaughn is. Body weight is what Deuce is.
3: Sure. Sure. Like, yeah. I mean, he's absolutely, he's, he's unbelievably rocked up, but if you saw, like if you saw him with a, uh, a hoodie on and you couldn't tell how strong he was, you just saw him walking through the mall or whatever, you would not be like, oh yeah, that's an NFL running back.
2: Yeah.
1: No, probably not. Um, So curious, last question here on the running backs. You talked about, you know, guys that have different profiles in this class, Spears, more of the pass catcher, McBride, kind of a pure tube-down grinder. Which of these guys, like, we obviously don't know the draft capital now, but but say, pick your perfect landing spot. Say it's the, the Bengals in the second round. And, and say, like, each of these guys has a realistic realistic chance of going there, which is not perfectly true. Um, which of them would you be most excited about if they hit the not landing spot? Like, which, which of these guys are you ready to taken the fourth round if they a ban
3: a band a canda for me
2: i'm fine with that for me it was roshan uh but izzy was number two for me so, like it, honestly izzy probably has like more of the athletic profile of, like if you give this dude touches he will be more efficient than roshan i don't know like roshan seems like he can do more and will probably earn more touches as in like he plays special teams he can pass block he can Ro- catch roshan passes.
3: is roshan is daryl williams
2: Oh, I like that. I someone uh, come to him to like Jamal Williams. Jamal Williams is a very good pass blocker. Sure. Same he's same, right, same, Same, deal. But yeah, like Izzy has that type of next gear athleticism that if you give him the same amount of touches as a Roshan, he's probably more exciting. So yeah, Izzy to me yeah. is also that guy.
1: I, I like both those answers. I think, yeah, th- those are the two for me that jump out. The speed for Izzy just makes it really exciting. If he lands in a good offense, I, I think his potential for... You know, breaking off long, long runs and getting goal line work. Uh, that's definitely there. Let's jump over to the wide receivers. Um, so I zoomed in here on just the top six rookie wide receivers. Uh again, similar, kind of similar story to the running backs, where it's been relatively stable in terms of draft capital, but there has been a couple, a couple things to point out. Number one, um, I think people might forget now, but Addison and Quinton Johnson actually were ahead of JSN in terms of. NFL consensus very early on that kind of flipped post combine when both of them had worse combines than expected and JSN's agility was actually elite and looked really good so JSN is sort of the consensus number one now the other thing I'll point out is Jalen Hyatt Hyatt seems to slowly be trending downwards he started as a potential first round pick and you know while he probably still is a potential first round pick he's kind of drifted more solidly into the the round two range whereas Flowers is sort of uh swapped with Hyatt for that wide receiver four role. So, I guess starting with um with JSN uh Davis, how confident are you now that JSN is going to be the first wide receiver off the board? Is it like an absolute lock? Should you should you bet it and, you know, in prop markets, what are, what are your thoughts on that?
3: It doesn't feel like an absolute lock just because and we've talked about this a gazillion times. There's only one good boundary wide receiver prospect in this entire class and it's quentin johnston and i could just see that role being more valuable to nfl teams um i mean it's it's why cedric tillman who's like a a pretty mid prospect is going to end up probably being like a he's going to be like second rounder because he's the only big bodied guy who plays it like i mean This whole class is just it. They're They're all all our size,
2: Davis. They're all
3: our size. They're They're all all put them in hoodies
0: and they look like us.
3: (laughs) So it's not that it wouldn't be that crazy for me if, you know, I don't know, the Texans pick a 12 and they're like, we could take Quentin Johnson and maybe get our boundary guy for the next eight years. Or we could take Josh Downs in the second round and get 87% of what we think we'll get from Smith and Jigba. Honestly, I just, I just have been, getting more and more down on this class as it's gone like i just there there are so there are warts with all these guys the the uh the big thing though that is looming out there is that the chiefs and the bills do both would really like to pick up a wide receiver at their picks and zay flowers Schepter just did Schefter just did the tweet saying that the Chiefs used one of their visits on Zay Flowers. Flowers, you know, Mm -hmm. basically just being like, the Chiefs really want him. Obviously, if that happens, that really changes the complexity. And Downs and Hyatt, who we see from the trend line here, have been trending down. I mean, those guys would fit the Bills pretty well, I think. And if the Bills do take one of those guys, you know, I mean...
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. And if you, so if you look at the NFL draft order, let me, let me give some teams that pick in that back half of the first round, early second round, you have the Vikings at 23. I think their wide receiver two spot is wide open. You have the bills at 27, obviously a good landing spot. Chiefs at 31, again, pretty obviously a good landing spot. Then I think another sneaky, really good one is the Rams at 36. As long as you don't think, you know, Matt Stafford's arm is completely gone, which maybe, maybe that's the case they have kind of nobody at wide receiver too early either. So, you know, Quinton Johnston landing there, Addison landing there. I think that's actually kind of a sneaky, pretty exciting one. So I think I'm with you, Davis, that these prospects in a vacuum, I'm not incredibly excited about, but I think some of them are going to hit these landing spots that we really like. Uh, but again, it, it never works out as cleanly as we want it to in the fantasy world. Um, Kyle, what are your thoughts on, I guess, of those landing spots or maybe pick another one? What, do you have like a favorite sort of player landing spot combination for that sort of end of the first round, start of the second round um, amongst some of these guys?
2: Yeah, I, well, I don't think the the Chiefs are going to take a first round receiver. And I don't think like, like they'd love to get Zay Flowers at 31, but like, I I don't think he's even particularly close to making it to them. Uh, like there's a spot of like the Vikings and then the chargers and a few other teams that like a lot of receivers are getting gobbled up there. They'd have to move up. I think a decent amount. Um, yeah, it's, it's uh, not, it's like middle of the first round, but chargers, I think are a really interesting spot for like a yep. slot dude to go to because sure. In year one, like they're still going to be competing with Keenan Allen. I don't know how much work they get that year. Uh, and they'll probably be the team's third receiver, but like Mike Williams doesn't fit in Anyway, with how Justin Herbert plays Keenan Allen is aging and they can get out of almost the entirety of his pretty expensive contract next off season. So like, maybe it's not this year, right? Maybe anything more dynasty than redraft, but like there is a runway to being Justin Herbert's number one receiver and the type of receiver that he actually wants to throw to as early as, I mean, it, you know, depending on how Keenan plays uh, on how much playing time they can get this rookie as early as this year, but probably next year, like really having a meaningful target share on a really strong offense so yeah i'd, I'd like the Chargers to do it. i think it also makes sense for them you could probably also chalk them up as like tight end potential and that player would probably see more snaps like gerald everett is less of a roadblock than keenan Allen. i like that one a lot eagles yeah, i think that's are a really fun one uh like they don't need a receiver right what do they need don't draft a running back eagles don't draft a running back at 10 Just hold the faith <laughs> analytics kings uh he wouldn't see a lot of targets but like how many rookies that go 30th, or I think they pick 30th, uh, are we expecting to earn these massive target shares? What about just be the least focused on, as far as defenses are concerned, receiver in the NFL? Because you have one of the best duos ahead of you and also an incredible passing attack. Like maybe that's more of like an NFL fit that, like, I really hope the Eagles do the smart thing and just keep burying their opponents on offense. But like, I don't know, man, be pretty fun.
1: That would be really fun. I mean, that, yeah, Dallas Goddard, A.J. Brown, Devonta Smith, and then throw, Zay Flowers or whoever you want in there, that starts to get really challenging for defenses to stop. But the Chargers one I wanted to zoom in on a bit. Like, I've seen JSN mocked the Chargers a decent bit in the first round. What do you think that does Davis to his fantasy stock? Because, like, I have a hard time imagining him seeing the field in two wide receiver sets over – williams or keenan at least initially to start the year but but maybe i'm wrong about that um obviously you'd play in three wide receiver sets they get
3: they get nothing out of their tight ends anyways so i i wouldn't be i wouldn't be that worried about it Uh, i mean i would be the the issue with smith and jigba i mean you're, you're hitting on it is that a lot of the spots that if he does end up being the first wide receiver taken and he goes real early i mean plant the spot you'd be excited about him going early, not excited about him going to Chicago. Definitely for immediate fantasy value, him going to Philadelphia, nightmare. I mean, he probably gets like 47 targets as a rookie if he goes to Philadelphia. Titans, nightmare. Houston, Houston you could really talk yourself into because there's not really That's the one I liked. Yeah. I, that's the one yeah.
1: I was going to say I'm excited about is Houston if the, you know Bryce as the clear But then clear but alpha then you're but, but
3: then you're relying on a rookie quarterback who we think is probably good but we certainly don't know. I mean the target upside is best there. Yeah. Like yeah. I I I think you could the the uh, yeah. the funniest one would be New England, right? New England taking wide oh, receiver God. in the first round because that would just destine him to be bad. I mean, then we would just have our answer. Um, well, we would know he's bad. Yeah. Good, yeah, we would just know <laughs> he's bad.
1: Yeah, I said Bryce I mean, I guess I guess it would be Stroud now at this point. That would be the, the chalk <laughs> uh, quarterback for the Texans. Um, but yeah, you're you're right, Davis. I haven't fully fleshed that out, but just looking at the draft order now, there's a lot of landmines for wide receivers in the sort of 10 through 20 range. Um, Not a lot of like the bucks. I don't think they would draft a wide receiver, but um, the commanders again, they don't have a great need there. Maybe the Packers you could talk yourself into as, you know, I don't think Romeo dubs was great as a rookie. I think JSN landing there would easily, he would easily start in two wide receiver sets over dubs. And maybe Jordan love has, has something that one could be, okay no, i, I think, guess i think dubs might be good i think he's okay but compared to jsn
2: he's not keeping jsn off the field level of good he might be fine sure but like yeah if you spend they have a 15th pick i think if you spend the 15th pick jsn's taking the field over him
3: a little bit a little bit of breaking news jamison williams suspended for six games <gasps> for violating the calvin ridley rule for uh really? no what betting. yeah
2: that sucks. Vi- uh,
3: violations, violation. Uh, Jamison Williams, uh, Quintus Cephas, and the commander Shaka Tony are also suspended indefinitely. Williams and Stanley Barry Hill are suspended for six games.
2: Wait, why just? I want to know what the difference is. Yeah, yeah.
1: What's the I want to like... know why just six. Uh,
3: uh, I, I mean, probably like you know they bet on their own team or something. I would imagine. I would well, imagine. That's what. That's, that's what
1: Ridley did. He bet on
3: his or maybe team, maybe
2: they? they didn't bet on football at all. Because I think Ridley did bet on uh, football, didn't he? Maybe there's because I don't think yeah, they bet so on the maybe, Jags, like bet on bet other on the things.
1: Jags. I don't know. Yeah. Or no, he didn't bet on the Jags. He bet on the Falcons because that's what team he was on. Um
2: yeah. wow, I just maybe thought maybe I got, got a great bet at all.
1: I thought I just got a great value on one of my slow drafts. Out of Jared Goff uh, and Jameson Williams stack at value. That's that's not looking so good anymore. Does
3: that does that make them now so Jameson Williams. Doesn't hardly plays at all as a rookie. Suspended now, behavioral stuff. JSN, JSN at five Sus. or four.
1: It actually that I'd I have to like obviously I'm just reacting to this now, but no, that's interesting. That, no, my
3: my immediate gut reaction is that starting your career with a torn ACL and a gambling suspension, I'm gonna guess that decreases your odds of turning into a potential Pro Bowl yeah. wide receiver. I'm gonna I'm gonna guess that that uh, significantly decreases. Just if if for nothing else, the developmental stuff, you know? Oh, like yeah. Not,
1: yeah. I, I'm really scared. I, and I've heard JJ talk about this. Like, a lot of times we want to give rookie wide receivers excuses when they miss time their first year due to injury. But it, it just still shows up in the data that even if the reason you missed year one was due to injury and not, like, because you were bad at football and didn't get on the field, it's still, like, a bad signal. It's for still like your bad. Year, yeah, for your yeah. year two, year three performance. And I... I I haven't taken a lot of Jamison because of that. It's like you're choosing between Jamison Williams and like Chris Godwin, Marquise Brown. Obviously, like more boring veteran names, but like we know those guys are really good at football. And Jamison is like entirely a projection.
3: All projection sort of an,
1: an iffy, obviously iffy year one with the injury. And now now with this, I think he's gonna really plummet uh down draft board. So th- that'll be interesting. Yeah, maybe maybe Detroit's in play for <laughs> just build the whole offense out of slot wide receivers with JSN and the Monroe St. Brown. and JSN gets comp to
2: Monroe a lot too, so they probably wouldn't go JSN, but... Yeah, yeah. I don't see that.
1: Quentin, Quentin Johnson at five.
2: <laughs> no God. I do Let's agree with just... Johnson's, like... He has, like, the way... Uh, like, Henry Ruggs was the first receiver taken in his class, right? Like, he had a trait that no one else had. No in one this else case, had. Quentin Johnson's is just size. Like, he's just the biggest dude by far uh, of, like, the first round-ish type of guys. It's like, I could see it. Yeah, I think JSN's a pretty good bet to go as the first receiver. Is he immortal lock? Definitely not.
1: Yeah. yeah. Let's jump into the next tier of wide receivers here. Apologize, uh, this graphic is a little bit out of control, but I, I think it shows just after that top six, again, similar story to that running back, there's just not been consensus about like the wide receivers 7 through 15, whatever. It's really, really been all over the place. There have been sort of some some recent movers. Um, So guys on this list for the the audio listeners are talking about the tier of guys starts with Cedric Tillman, Marvin Mims, Rasheed Rice, Tank Dell, Tyler Scott, and then all the way up to guys uh, like Xavier Hutchinson and Trey Palmer. Uh, One guy I wanted to talk about here that I've so at least sort of my perception from monitoring Twitter and listening to podcasts is that. Jonathan Mingo is really getting a lot more buzz recently. And so really, much buzz. You really see that in the data. He has shot way up to like wide receiver 10-ish from, you know, he's this green line on the chart. He was off the chart, like in March. He was like not even showing up. And he is, yeah, he's really popped up. So, uh, yeah, Davis, any thoughts on on Mingo? Yeah, because um, he's 6'1",
3: 225 pounds. It, 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 <laughs> this is the this is the Cedric Tillman I mean, it's it's the reason it's the reason Booty is still even being drafted despite like. There's a different reason
2: for Kayshawn Booty. He was really good for like 12 games. (laughs) He's gone in starting in 20, starting three years ago.
3: (laughs) Yes. Yeah. So it's it, it, but yeah, it is. It's all it's all size. It's all size, speed related. Um, in this in this rookie draft that I just did, uh, Silva. Took Jonathan Mingo way earlier. Than well, he's a very silver pick, his... of course. Right. So he took him at he took him at the three hundred four, which is the twenty eighth overall pick. Took him ahead of Trey Palmer. Took him ahead of you know, for example, Tyler Scott, Tank Bigsby, uh, guys, guys like that. So I mean, that three hundred four. It's not like this massive investment, but is is an indication that I mean, I would not have expected Jonathan Mingo to be selected in a four round rookie draft a month ago, and yeah. I, I gotta say, I don't really see it. Uh, not, I mean, <laughs> just never really earned a ton of volume and played in that Ole Miss, uh, you know, mega air raid system, right? And never had a thousand yards. Like, did on, only played one full season. Didn't break out until he was twenty-one. Like, just not, not a super ideal prospect to me. Um, really in general, I it, and it goes so. Conversely to what the the big thing has been in fantasy football the last two years, which is it just doesn't even matter, just draft rookie wide receivers. But I would be pretty surprised if we're getting even like Taekwondo Thornton level performances from a lot of these guys. Like it just seems like a really subpar rookie wide receiver class.
1: Yeah, it does seem weaker in the past two years. Um staying on Mingo for a second, I yeah, I, I'm kind of with you, Davis. I'm not overly excited about him. I, I've heard people comp him to guys like amon ross st brown juju smith schuster sort of like a bigger guy but he's actually more successful playing in the slot like he could be sort of a power slot guy uh in the nfl uh yeah curious kyle what your thoughts on mingo are as a prospect do you agree with sort of that power slot designation or if he, if he does succeed how, how do you think he succeeds in the nfl
2: Yeah. I don't know if I like really see that. I like, he had a stretch where he played like a bit in the slot and did well, but overall his yards per out run is far better on the outside in college. And I kind of agree, like he's a pretty middling prospect, even his his final season, uh, he had like, was like 200 something yards or like high, I think it was over 200 yards against Vanderbilt, the 130th of 131 teams in EPA per pass allowed. And then topped a hundred against an FCS school, Central Arkansas or something like that. Uh, Directional Arkansas is what I'll call them. Like, a lot of his profile is sitting on two teams that you would expect even, a like seventh round pick. Like, yeah, that guy can probably beat up on central Arkansas or whatever they are, or the worst defense in NCA football in FBS football, uh, you know, by EPA per play second, uh, you know, second. So like, I don't know. He's fine. I I do think though, if like a team with an opening gives him like late second, early third draft capital, like we should probably take note of that, uh, but right now, until I am a hundred percent sure the NFL values him at that, like I would kind of be letting the market, you know, the the fantasy market take him ahead. I also see we've do, we've done a good job at uh, Twitter's done a good job at pumping Marvin Mims stock. Crowded guys, <laughs> yeah, man, he's I mean up. he's
3: he's really good. He's, re- he's, he's really, really good. I would take I would take Mims over Downs and Hyatt. Hot take.
2: I'm fine with that. I have no problem with that. I ranked him ahead of them, so of course I'm fine with that.
1: <laughs> yeah. Um, Mims is definitely a guy who's been on the rise. Um, he's gotten a little bit pricey in not pricey, but I'll, I'll show this chart quickly, uh, for the rookies in in best ball. Like, so I I think he's totally fine. He's still near pick 200. He's more or less free. I, again, I have no problem with taking him. Um, it's just interesting because he's, Definitely like slightly overvalued if you just compare him to other guys that project for similar draft capital, like Tillman, Scott, even Tank Dell, uh, Rashi Rice. So, I've been mixing in some of those guys. This is like kind of more of a game theory angle than like a prospect angle, but like a lot of those guys I just mentioned, like straight up don't get drafted. Mims gets drafted every single time, and I'm not sure we should be like that confident, um, that he's gonna land, you know, and get good draft capital ahead of those guys. So, that, that's my minor pushback on Mims, but again, he's still very free. I'm totally fine with the pick. I, I understand the analytical profile for him. That That's really exciting. So I'm certainly mixing him in a little bit. Any other takes on... Anyone want to make a stand for any of these other rookie wide receivers? Uh, you know, someone we haven't talked about yet that, that you feel pretty good about going to the NFL draft. I'll start with you, Kyle.
2: I feel pretty terrible about Kayshan Butte. I've heard it pronounced multiple <laughs> ways, um, but like he's the type of profile, maybe more so in like a dynasty context again, but I'm even fine with it in redraft that like he was uh, like, I think he had over 20% dominator as a true freshman at LSU and had like a 40% dominator as a sophomore through six games. And then he messes up his ankle and never looks the same, right? Like maybe he just isn't the same or maybe he just returned too quickly, but like he looked like a future, like top 15 pick for, uh, like an 18th. The, the
3: bull case for him would be George Pickens. George Pickens was also the number one overall wide receiver recruit, got hurt, yeah. never really, never really got it back. And same deal, Pickens. There was character concerns about Pickens. People are saying the same thing about Booty. Uh Pickens definitely the, out-earned yeah. where you drafted him for the most part last year. The,
1: this is maybe like me grasping some draws, but the, the character concerns for Pickens weren't like he doesn't care about football. no it's that he cares too
3: much it's that he's a (laughs) a wild
1: boy (laughs) yeah he's like getting in fights on the field like he he has that dog in him the i don't know if the booty concerns are like he has that dog in him concerns they're more like this dude like he had terrible combine numbers and then just sat on that for his pro day like he didn't even like try and you know get his his coaches and teammates to you know boost up his scores a little bit with some you know friendly timing or friendly measurements like man I, i don't know i'm like what, yeah, what is, I guess Pickens is one, but like I struggle. I feel like we get this in sports all the time. Like the profile of the guy, it's like, oh, you know, Avery Bradley was the number one basketball recruit ahead of like John Wall in, in high school. Like he's, you know, he's undervalued in the NFL draft. He was so good in high school or in the NBA draft. Like, I don't know, that, that type of profile we see in all types of sports. And I'm No, just dude,
3: like, but it, it, It It can give you some big reveals. Stefan Diggs, the best example of this. Stefan Diggs was uh, uh, the number one or the number two recruit. And then he, he, Stefan Diggs broke his leg at Maryland, uh, came back, was, was fine. You know, I mean, he's literally recovering from a broken leg and playing football again, ends up being a fifth round pick, but you know, basically it was just weird circumstances that led to him not fully uh, or not, uh, not Maryland temple. Temple um, is where Stefan Diggs. Oh, shit, now I got. I thought,
2: I thought he was a Maryland dude. I thought he's a Maryland dude. Um, but uh, and also, Bute,
3: it Bute, was Bute Maryland. That was, was right.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Butte was living up to the hype of being like one of the best prospects too. Like, had he led LSU in receiving yards as a true freshman, and like forty percent dominator. It was six games. I get that, like you know, is a small yeah. sample, but like he was, he was gonna kill people in his second year. Uh, like he was on, on, like truly not just from recruiting, but then for a small sample, but like it held steady that he was sure. on this just absurd trajectory. Um, and yeah, like it's been pretty downhill since but like, I, I think that's a good range of outcomes to be living in for guys that, that are free. Right. That like, if say like his ankle just messed him up and uh like, hasn't like, say he gets, he's good today. If he is good today, back to the place where he was, uh, what are 2021, September of 2021. Like he's an elite prospect. Uh, whereas like, I don't know, like, what's the ceiling with someone like, you know, Michael Wilson or like, I don't know, Jaden Reed was like the second receiver at Michigan State. As Michael,
3: a Michael Wilson is the most Patriots ass pick. Like, you swear- yeah, I see that. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I've been completely ignoring him the whole process because he's literally not even in the underdog player pool. Like, you can't draft him. Oh, uh, <laughs> but yeah, the Patriots used a, a top 30 visit on him. So he's he's going to the Pats at 15, I think. <laughs> Oh man. All right. Let's, let's move on. Uh, I wanted to quickly show the tight ends here. Um, I didn't have yeah, a don't, ton... don't
3: Don't draft these guys, dude. You're, you're, you want to get rug pulled draft, draft Darnell Washington. Who's going to get like 17 catches in, in a good <laughs> season as a rookie. He's going to
2: score like four touchdowns on those though.
1: So this is the point and I'll channel Crane here. Cause I know he would push back on that point. You think back to the rookie tight ends last year and, and maybe it was an anomaly, but by the end of the year, There were like six or seven guys that we were ranking in the top 24 at the position were like providing usable weeks like Trey McBride, Shiga Greg Dulcich, uh, Daniel Bellinger, uh, Jelani Woods. I think I'm even maybe missing a couple, but like, I I don't know. By the end of the year, if if these guys get taken in the first round, which I feel pretty good that the top three at least are going to either be late round one or early round two picks. Like I think by the end of the year, they're at least if you're in the range of like you're you're choosing between Austin Hooper and Darnell Washington, like that's literally the choice right now. like, man, just probably just give me Darnell Washington. He's fucking six, ten and three hundred pounds. Yeah, like he's gonna score yeah, a touchdown 100%. at the end of the year, right? like it's a, I, I think it's a fine bet. So I get what you're saying, Davis, but like cost adjusted, I think they're still fine for just the end of the year Td upside um wherever they land.
2: I'm fine with this. I'm I'm fine with this. Like, I think Davis is probably closer to right on someone like Mayer or Kincaid who, like, as much as we place all these lofty expectations on them when, like, Mayer goes 15 to the Packers or whatever. Like, they may not live up to that hype, but, like, Darnell Washington versus Austin Hooper. Like, you have to be such a stone-cold loser to take Austin Hooper, man. That guy is not going to give you many fantasy (laughs) points. And Darnell Washington may not either, but he's giant and could be a first round pick and was really efficient in college and there's a reason he's not super productive he's gonna he's gonna be played behind who's going to be one of the best tight end prospects in a long time in brock bowers so like hell yeah if that's your choice yes make that choice it, when it's like mayor versus other like borderline tight end ones then like i'd be much more sensitive to cost there
1: yeah yeah that that's that's fair. Give me and again, give me give me
3: Laporta for dead stone free twentieth round right now over having to pay any sort of premium on Darnell Washington, who I think is just going to be drafted as a blocker anyway. That, that's fair. that's really I, that's really my my contention with Karain and Pete on the Washington thing is that they're doing the classic thing of not under. not not that they're doing this. I mean, Korean and Peter smart guys, but that we're all doing this thing with like uh, equating Darnell Washington being valuable to an NFL team with turning into fantasy points for us. Like this is the speaking of Henry rugs, haven't invoked that name in a while, but Kyle just brought him up. Like he went so high, not because the Raiders expected him to have 1500 yards and 10 touchdowns every year, but because that dude was going to space create for the entire team, which he did uh, until he killed somebody.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no no comment <laughs> no comment on that. But uh yeah, I, I'm with I'm with you on taking Laporta over uh Darnell Washington. Um I think my best fall exposures back that up. He definitely profiles more as the receiving guy who I think has more like season long upside for sure. But I, I think, you know, they they are both dirt cheap like you can get Washington in the 20th round too. So
2: when Washington um, goes in the first round, then I'll start taking like Laporta straight up over him. Uh, yeah. Because at that point, like people are going to start boosting Washington. And I agree. Like he doesn't profile as a guy who goes for 800 yards as a rookie or catches like 60 passes. Like I'm getting him. Cause I'm like, Oh man, maybe he's like a really good red zone, threat, which he, obviously you he should be. And like, he'll be super efficient. Cause every one of his targets is going to come on play actions. How it was in college. So I would take like straight up, I would take him over Laporta, but we are, as soon as the draft happens and Washington goes like, you know, 27 or whatever. Yeah. He'll be priced out of a point where I'm like particularly excited about him. And then that's probably where I'd look at Laporta or like Tucker craft is also a pretty good tight end prospect.
1: Yeah. Tucker craft kind of surprised me is just like, I, I think I've made the mistake of just completely ignoring him, but he's, if you look at draft capital, he's kind of in the same tier as Laporta and Musgrave. And, um, I think he has a decent production profile. Literally couldn't does, tell yeah. you anything. Okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. i ran out of things that i could say about tucker craft with confidence pretty quickly um
3: tucker tucker the the one who i'm most excited to see if he goes on even day two is zach koontz because he was the so he he was like the the you know every class every every tight end class has the freak and some of them get drafted and some of them don't um but if he if like i don't know you know if the Bengals take him with the third and a third round pick or whatever i'm i'm sort of interested
2: that's yeah, Koontz is the RAS record holder at tight end, I believe. Uh, like, I think he's a perfect 10. And uh, he was—he has a good late breakout production profile. Uh, like, one good season, Old Dominion, then he got hurt the next season. But he tra- the reason he was a late breakout is because he transferred from Penn State after sitting behind Pat Fryermuth for, I think it was two years, maybe it was three. But, uh, like, that also kind of checks out. Like, sure, I'm not going to penalize you too hard for not Surpassing Pat Fryermuth when you're also younger than him, or maybe his same age. So yeah, he, like, when you say I'm in on this guy, when you say
1: late breakout, isn't isn't he like 26 or something crazy old?
2: I don't know if he's that old, but it <laughs> was like a. I I think he spent three years. I think he like redshirted, then two years behind Fryermuth, then two years at Old Dominion. So he would be like an older guy. He's um, gonna be
1: 24 when the NFL starts. So I was exact. I added plus two to exaggerate, but he is it's not great old.
2: though. It's not great. <laughs>
1: Yeah, he is, I mean, Google picture, I'm not going to show it on the stream, but Google pictures, this guy, he, he is, he's yoked up. Um, I, I'd feel, I'd feel fine. If he lands on the Bengals in the third round, I'll probably get excited about him. Um but yeah. Another point I wanted to make like related to the Bengals. And again, like as fantasy analysts, we always dream up these landing spots and it's going to be way grosser than we expect it to be. But there are a lot of like amazing tight end landing spots. And I define that as like, wide-open depth charts, and projectable top 10 offenses. And I think there's actually five of them that I would argue are in play. It's the Bengals. Like, Irv Smith got no money. Like, he could yeah. quickly be set aside. Dallas has basically nobody. Detroit, I mean, who do they have? Shane Zilstra and Brock Wright. Miami got absolutely nobody. Just Durham Smythe as like, a pure blocking tight end. Darnell, then, Darnell
3: Washington at five to the Lions. He says no. Dude. <laughs> <laughs> Hell and yeah
1: yeah the chargers too like everett is still there but he's very no no visible. we gotta
3: stop we gotta stop with chargers to the tight ends the chargers uh like antonio gates left like a native american burial ground curse over the tight end position for the chargers i mean they've had every young interesting you know ladarius green donald parham they they've they've done jared cook they've they've done everything and they we just we gotta stop with the chargers tight ends
2: if That's you like fair. a guy, don't let him go there. Wish your mortal enemies to go to the Chargers. Yeah, yeah.
1: And then there's also spots like Green Bay, Las Vegas, Washington. A little bit grosser, obviously grosser quarterback play, but still wide open depth chart. So my only point is like there's a quantity of these like amazing landing spots, and I think some of these guys are gonna hit them. Like you, you could obviously get rugged and Darnell Washington. Goes to the Patriots uh, and plays in like goal line packages only. Or yeah, he's whatever. their
3: he's their fullback. Bill Bill draft Darnell Washington <laughs> to be their fullback. I I got a I got a a, a a mind a mind teaser for you guys. The Chiefs draft one of these guys in the second round. What does the market do?
2: I think they, they I think they're so excited about this guy.
3: I I think that's what I think too. I think they just they they totally they they jazz that guy way up. Like Dar, like Dalton mm-hmm. Kincaid ends up being a chief and he and. Despite the fact that he'd probably be their third tight end behind Noah Gray, I think he ends up being like the tight end 18 or something.
1: I mean, yeah, I agree. The market basically already has done well, not not to an extreme extent, but they kind of have already done this with Isaiah Likely, where he's like clearly the backup tight end, and like people are asking him yeah. ahead of like starters.
3: Not uh, even, I, not even really the backup tight end too, because they use Oliver to block more than they even. Yeah, play he's the Likely. backup Would pass he...
2: catching tight end
1: only. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, Oliver's gone now, but still, like. I don't know. I, a, a, I
3: would a, bet I don't even know this is a good game. Can we name the primary blocking tight end for the Ravens? Does I Kyle? You should know. Kyle, you should know this for sure.
2: Well, it was Nick Boyle, but he right. mess, he shredded his knee and he's changing a long snapper. So if that answer technically doesn't count, then I'm wrong.
3: What well, wow. actually? I I might be I might have just bullished myself on Isaiah Charlie
1: Charlie Kalar?
3: he's oh, a receiving Clark. he's he's a receiving tight end he he um, led his college team in receiving two years in a row so he is he is like what if what if charlie collar is the leverage you need to win best ball mania for you take him instead of isaiah likely to get mega unique
1: i just don't get why we're taking clear backup like the vault the Ravens, yeah, i think yeah. are the only team where we're like you gotta draft the backup tight end for some reason it's like
2: Greg the thing is, is, they don't anymore. pass a lot, so there's not a lot of no, volume. No, I, I,
1: I, actually, I'm gonna, I'm gonna
3: defend, I'm gonna defend the market here. I actually get it uh, because their wide receivers are such ass, and they run some of the most twelve personnel in the league, anyways. And you got like you have massive contingent value were Andrews to
1: get injured, and does, do isn't you like, like not Noah do. Gray like way better contingent value. I don't, think, and, no, I don't think, and I don't think any of
2: this is true. I don't think like like oh, Noah Gray just becomes Travis. Like Travis Kelsey is really good, uh, not because he's in a good role; it's because he earns that good role. Like, I don't. Likely's
3: like, targets per route run last year was really good, like really good. Yeah, yeah. Right, when we, you we,
2: play like twelve snaps a game and they're all passing routes, it's probably easier. I mean, targets. he got
3: he got sixty targets on four hundred and fourteen snaps. That it's pretty it's pretty like it is enough for me to take note.
1: We've actually we've lost all the the listeners because we're debating no Noah Noah Gray (laughs) likely in April so there's no longer anybody listening to the podcast Um, but (laughs) let's let's move on Um, these charts here I think we've we've hammered the rookies enough um let's let's get on i'm almost the shocked
2: by that rookie running back chart how much closer we are tying ourselves to nf nfl adp is what i'll call it than at receiver especially on the tail end of receiver where it's yeah. like eh, just take the guys you like like take these guys or no one's going to draft them in the nfl but take them anyways whereas running back and this might be correct i just think it's interesting that at running back we're like we're actually in lockstep mostly with the nfl
1: i think these charts are just fascinating like when i started this in february we did not have like I I'm not actually like calculating an R squared and correlation, but like we did not have nearly this like tight line. Lo- like it's basically just a straight line through the running yeah. backs now. And the guys that are off the line, you kind of understand why, like Devon A chain, probably a better real life uh running back than fantasy running back, especially in half PPR. So like I get why he shows up as undervalued and like a Kanda is a guy where like you can dream and see the upside. So I get why he looks like relatively overvalued here, but like it's kind of impressive that the underdog market is this in line with the projected draft capital. Um, maybe people are looking at my chart uh, more than I expected. I, I, I don't know what's going on, but um, it is pretty tightly, tightly bound to it now. Anyways, let's talk risers and fallers. We did not have a huge week of news in the NFL, so not a ton to talk get, get through. Get your Richie
3: James while you can now.
1: i I did want to start on the chiefs wide receivers because okay we see both richie james and justin ross show up here as the biggest risers and i think you know the the market is just desperate to figure out for anything we get get a highlight video we
3: we get a highlight video of justin ross and then pat mentions him in a like in passing on a zoom call and all of a sudden we're all the way back in on justin ross
1: yeah the, the thing is to pour a little bit of cold water on the richie james justin ross is i'm pretty please sure do. please do
2: uh, uh,
1: the you know justin watson got more money than richie james richie james is also pretty strictly a slot guy they have tony they have sky Moore like if you're trying to bank the guy who's just going to be on the field for the chiefs for like 70 percent of routes and running like deep routes like just draft just draft Justin Watson instead. Like, come on. What are we doing with Richie James? Like, unless you think that Tony and Sky are both just so dust, like, I don't really get Richie James' path to like meaningful snaps. And yeah, again, his contract is like essentially nothing 500K guaranteed. He could be essentially a camp body. Like, there's real, there's probably, still he's probably real... a returner
2: because they, because Sky Moore yeah. can't return for his life and James is a career returner. So that's probably what he is. And Isaiah, totally right here, like.
3: Isaiah Pacheco is ostensibly they're starting running back right now so they don't want him Absolutely, to do yeah. it either yep although yeah. did you guys see did you guys see the brett beach quote yesterday no, um uh, they, they said not. they said they said he said mckinnon likes to take his time before making decisions so we'll probably call him next week after the draft is was, it, it was almost verbatim what he said so i had not heard that yet you know they had there had not been any reporting on yep. mckinnon maybe coming back and that is uh, I mean, McKinnon coming back would be like wherever Pacheco's going right now. It's like ten spots are running back too high if McKinnon's on the team.
1: Yeah. Um, sorry, I'm distracted. I've <laughs> I've literally sixty slow drafts going on right now, and the clocks are one hour, so i was making some picks. Um,
3: Doesn't really make that much sense, by the way, for you, underdog to do it that way. Like, what does it matter? Like, like why does it need to? Why does it need to go down? To an hour, like the season doesn't start for like nine months. Like, who cares if you have a little bit of information that, uh you know, Smith, it like,
1: Smith and yeah, with the jig going
3: in the first round or whatever.
1: I don't know. I, I kind of get it. Like, it'd be a little unfair if, but the thing is, I think all these drafts are at least going to be like in the 10th round when the draft happens. So, like, yeah, you're not getting that much value by knowing the landing spots, but I, I kind of see why they do it. It's like a little unfair if you could like stack up the rookies. And no one else really had a chance to, but it's marginal. Another um, guy I wanted to talk about besides the Chiefs wide receivers was Madison. For, for me, he just struck me as a guy who was sort of undervalued the whole time with the contract he got, plus the chances that uh, Dalvin Cook's just not on the team. Uh, Kyle, uh, we, we've talked about Madison and the Cook situation a lot. Curious your your take on it. Like, What do you think is happening, if you were to guess now, with the Vikings running back room. And at this cost, do you think Madison is, is still a good value?
2: Yeah. Like this is, this is like roughly where we were taking him in previous years, right? Like a you know, 125 or so 10th round, like maybe slightly higher, not higher enough to account for the fact that in previous years, there was never any chance that Dalvin cook wouldn't be on the team. Whereas there is at least a significantly higher. I don't think it's a great chance. Cause I'm not really sure why they wouldn't have done it yet right but like it's higher right it's definitely higher than it's ever been he's like a really strong uh just complete contingent value guy whenever cook is guaranteed to be on the roster and now that is definitely not a guarantee like i don't think it's incredibly likely like there's not a ton of reason for them to hold him well into the summer and then cut him but it happens like we saw it happen with Fournette got cut pretty late in the summer so i like yeah i think he's like a really strong pick based on weird like I'm just shocked we were drafting him not too far from this pick in previous years, and his his situation is better by a lot now. It has just has this fat tail end where like, he gets to start for a whole season. It's not incredibly likely, but that's the type of bet we want to be making at this price. Totally and, with
3: uh, you. And said something along the lines of like, you know, we're you know we're we're taking it day by day we're monitoring the contract situation like it it was not like oh yeah dalvin's our guy we're paying him whatever his contract number is like mm-hmm. I, it sounds and so it it sounds like maybe in a way what hayden was telling us about uh, dalvin like refusing to take his physical or whatever to lock in this contract it might actually cost him money because they might the vikings might be willing to eat a little bit of money this year to save money on the next couple years of his contract and just cut him out right
1: Yeah, and I don't think like the out of Dalvin just not being the player he was. And I think in years past, it's been pretty clear that Madison's a good backup, but Dalvin's clearly the better player. I'm not sure after what we saw last year, it's not more of like a 60-40 split this year anyways. Like I think that out is still there, even if Cook is, is on the team. So yeah, for me, Madison, like maybe it's a bit of a hot take, but I think he should be going like 30 Picks higher than he is right now. Like I, I would take him over, like Rashad White, Tyler Algier, like some of these guys. That yes, they're the team's running back one right now, but they're on like terrible teams, and they can. Tyler Algier
3: is like the worst pick on the board, I think right now. He's like the running. He's like the running back. He's like the running back twenty six or something. And like Caleb Huntley was just as good as him. Cordero Patterson is still on the roster and they're taking Bijan anyway. So, yeah, they've got the,
2: the shortest odd or at their spot, they have the best odds still like plus 200 something, but they're like, they're where yeah. Bijan watch starts considerably. And he's getting like eight touches on the season if Bijan's ahead of him.
1: Yeah, I agree. I, Algier, that, that tier of running backs, the, like not high draft capital guys that we're not sure that good that are on bad teams that could get nuked by a running back selection in the first round. It's like, why are we taking Rashad white and Tyler Algier and like, sure. Post draft, if they're still in the same situation and they're still at that price, I'll take a little bit of them, but I don't think they're going to rise like a crazy amount in value. I think people are just like kind of blind to their, to their downside risk. And I don't think they have that much upside either. So I, I am pretty out on that tier of running back another in terms of newsworthy things to discuss here van jefferson is kind of the only one that jumps out he is up nine spots uh four percent change in adp off the Allen robinson news uh kyle i I think on this podcast we've touted rams stacks a decent bit just because cups there obviously but then after that everyone's completely free and I don't know the Rams. Like, I don't think they're going to be awful. Like, if you buy in on Stafford being healthy, he says he's healthy. Like, he had a great year two years ago. Obviously, when they won the Super Bowl. Like, to me, the Rams just stand out as as too cheap. Are you like in on Van Jefferson or or maybe some of these other secondary? Say say the right secondary wide receiver, Kyle.
2: (laughs) No, I'm not in. uh, I'm not particularly in on Rams players. Like, dude, Stafford was really bad last year. He was just like straight up not good. Like, was he? horribly hurt from the start of the year because we didn't get like reports till later in the year. And we got them even when he was uh, good two years ago in the middle of the seasons. like, yeah, his elbows also just destroyed. Don't forget about that. Like, I'm not saying he's guaranteed to be uh bad this year. He'll probably be better than he was last year too. Really bad last year. But like, I don't think we're going to reach anything close to the highs of two years ago. And also their secondary receivers are just bad. Like, <laughs> Oh, I could get a, a middling team with a bad receiver. Oh, that sounds awesome. Like it'd be different if I had some sort of like some sort of trutherism to Van Jefferson. Like, I don't think he's that good. So like, I'm not that excited about getting yeah. him. And it, guess, it's shocking to yeah. me that the Allen Robinson news, dude, like, oh, Al- if, if you thought Allen Robinson was going to hold Van Jefferson back, Van Jefferson sucks. If that's the case, like this should not have moved the needle. If Allen Robinson was keeping Van Jefferson from getting playing time, He's terrible. I don't think that was the case, but it shocked me that this moves the needle in any way.
1: Interesting, Davis. You see that
2: you similarly? Said the ro- you didn't say
3: the right words, Kyle.
2: What terrible <laughs> receiver do you like on this team? <laughs>
3: Two Atwell, baby. We love guys. Oh, we love guys our size. We love guys. Actually, Two Atwell is smaller than me. I bet I can. Yeah. I bet I can deadlift more than Two Atwell. Actually, that would be. Uh, we. Sh- I should. Uh, I should tweet at him and see if that's true. Oh, that's but, a great yeah. idea. He's. Uh, he is going to get a 100 touches this year, v- rushes and targets, and he is li- literally free. He's like actually free.
1: Yeah. I don't know. Uh, touches. Uh, I don't know. I guess I'll like, I hear what you're saying, Kyle. And like, am I super excited about the Rams? N- no, I'm not. Like, could they draft someone? I think they have picked like 36 that just makes any of these guys completely irrelevant. Yes. But that said, Van Jefferson is a 20th round pick. If I have Stafford on my team, I mean, Jefferson. Or sure, I have
2: Stafford, like, there's correlation yeah, yeah. there, but.
1: Yeah, I think that's my point is, like, okay, 2021, he had 800 receiving yards and six touchdowns. You know, average, Um, you know, kind of a deep dot, deep threat guy. Like, you're just kind of betting on a deep touchdown to Van Jefferson that could help you advance or, you know, help you win some money in best ball. I don't think he's good. I just think it's a wide, wide open depth chart for routes. And, like, I guess, compared to, like, Richie James, like, I'd rather take the stab that Van Jefferson is just going to be a starter in two wide receiver sets and put up 800 yards than Richie James working his way to be the Chiefs, you know, number one slot receiver. Mm -hmm. If if that's the comparison. But I hear what you're saying. It's not, it's definitely not, not sexy by any means. Let's talk through some of the fallers uh, this week. Again, not a ton uh, of news to discuss though the, the thing that jumped out to me on this chart is both lamar and tyler huntley are the top two fallers. so i, I don't really know what the the market is is trying to tell us there um but yeah i, I guess uh curious for you davis how have you been we've, we've talked about this before but like what are you doing with lamar to me at least in the super flex like if you want a qb with upside in the back half of drafts quarterback one overall upside like lamar is just an easy pick and you can easily see the path to that happening but it does feel like there's downside risk like I, I i don't know what to do like does the odell signing mean that he's more likely to come like what what do you what's your read on the ravens and how are you sort of playing them in drafts if you
3: lamar lamar just posted on his instagram story yesterday i know what i'm worth i'm not getting i'm not getting paid less than what i'm worth or something like that like it doesn't does not seem like the gap between the Ravens and Lamar has has slowed at all. Um, I mean, probably at this point, you're probably like you should be taking a healthy chunk of Huntley, cause there's some percentage chance he's starting for the Ravens. And uh, as as all the old white guys on Twitter want you to know, Lamar hasn't started a game in December in two years. Like he he's all he <laughs> seemingly is always banged up. So in terms of like contingent value quarterbacks in these super flex formats. Huntley is probably the best one. Huntley is the best one injury related. Obviously, there there are all sorts of situations where we don't know the starter or whatever. Uh and are I mean, thank God. A show couldn't pass. We we got more Trey Lance uh and Brock Purdy reporting to go over today too, Sam.
1: Oh, did we? I, I missed that. What's the what's the news there?
3: Kyle probably Kyle probably blurbed it, but that guy, that that aggregator guy, dove or whatever.
1: Dove, oh, yeah.
3: Yeah, who who I I only know him as the guy who spent all of last season or, or or two seasons ago trying to be known as the guy who was like short on Patrick Mahomes. So his opinions <laughs> his opinions aren't very good. But it was basically basically the the reporting was Brock Purdy is the guy. Like everyone inside of the Forty ers oh, okay. organization thinks, uh, and and that the team has been taking calls on Trey Lance, you know, that they've been, they've been answering calls. So more, more reporting that it is pretty and probably even Darnold at this point before Trey Lance.
1: What are the Lance Kyle? Curious if you thought about this at all. What are the Lance like trade spots? Like I've heard the Titans and Texans is really the two that are mentioned. Like you have, you have any lean there of if he is traded, how does that, how does that work? Where does he go?
2: um i mean the texans does like make some sense now because they are so out on this quarterback class apparently now that they're not getting bryce young uh so i mean that like makes sense also the texans exported a ton of the 49ers staff uh so they have some familiarity with him though according to the 49ers having familiarity with him uh would tell you that he's not good so that like I mean, that makes sense. Like, logically, it'd be a fine landing spot. He's got a pretty good shot starting a bunch of games there because, like, it's just Davis Mills, so that's at least good competition to have, uh, you know, if you want to start games. I I think it makes sense. I don't think it'll happen for the Ravens to do it uh, if they can't get Lamar worked out, like, move on from Lamar and replace him with what, like, his haters say he is. So, like, that would make (laughs) sense. Uh, I, I think a lot of the spots that make sense are also just, like, really gruesome spots. Like, the Bucs could probably take a shot on Trey Lance. Like they're playing for uh, 2024 anyways, right? So why not take a shot on a dude who, if Lance is uh, like, if he's bad, which is probably the case, right? Like it doesn't look great for him. If he's bad, that helps you get to the number one pick next year. And if he's good, you've got a cheap, good young quarterback on your roster. So them or like the commanders or the Falcons, but none of those spots are great. And all those spots, maybe you don't really count the Bucs, have like, Backup slash starter slash bridge guys who could easily hold Lance Lance out from starting, like specifically Brissett. Less so Heineke and less so Baker. But like those guys will probably take yeah. starts away when Lance throws three picks in a game or whatever. But like those are the spots that are most likely in my mind. Every
3: team that isn't taking a rookie this year and doesn't have an answer should be being like, "Look, dude, we'll give you a third. We'll we'll give you yeah, we'll get a third. We'll get and we'll give you. How about this? Give you a third and a conditional second if Trey Lance, I don't know, you know, starts 60% of our games or something like, like Mm -hmm. actually like a decent deal. Like the, the Titans not doing this is insane. Like it's, it's actually because we still don't know. We, anyone who claims to know anything about Trey Lance, myself included, they're just, there is like no data on this guy. There, there was the, the stat making the rounds the other day that high school, college, NFL, Trey Lance is under 900 pass attempts high school included under 900 mm-hmm. pass attempts. And like, it was like, it was like uh Tom Brady threw more passes as a 45 year old than Trey Lance has the last five years. Like it's, it's insane how little actual football he's played.
1: Yeah. It's crazy. And as a comp to the team, just sort of abandoning the first round pick after a year or two and trading them, Josh Rosen is the one that comes to mind. And the Cardinals got a second and a fifth for Josh Rosen, but we actually had data on Josh Rosen. Like at least he started a basically a full NFL season and was just terrible. And he still got a second round pick. So like, I imagine Lance is price has to be a second plus a little bit more, but I could be wrong on that. The NFL could just be out on Lance. Like maybe there's things we don't know about Lance. um, You know, that that NFL teams would know that that make them down on him. But yeah, I think the, the second probably gets it done for Lance and, yeah, I don't know why the Bucs, if I'm one of those teams, the Bucks commanders, and I get locked out of the quarterbacks in this draft, like I'd trade a set like it seems worth the risk at, at that price. Obviously a second round pick is valuable, but um given Lance's tools, I would at least take a look and if you burn a second round pick, at least you at least you tried to solve your quarterback situation and didn't just have, you know, Kyle Trask and Baker Mayfield
2: on your and team. he he's got the distribution you want. Like he's probably <clears throat> Bad, Like the 49ers seeing him for two years and saying, we don't want him despite what we paid is like a healthy amount of information that says he's not good. And he's been bad for like uh, 200 dropbacks in college or in the NFL or whatever. But his upside is still like, it's basically unchanged from what we saw coming out of college, which is like an elite upside. I think there's all, there's less middle ground with him than like any of these, like than there is with like Kyle Trask or like Davis mills. Like you want a dude who either bombs you out to get Caleb Williams or is like super good, or at least has a chance to be super good. So like, he's also got the distribution of a guy you want, whereas like Rosen probably didn't even have that. Rosen was probably like, he's either bad or decent, which is like the worst of both worlds. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I wonder if it's Josh Rosen still kicking around the, the NFL. I wonder, wonder where he's, he was
2: where he with is. the 49ers somewhat recently, but okay. <laughs> I don't know if he is anymore.
1: With with all this land stuff, I guess, like, to make it actionable for people listening, I my, my favorite by far, like, 20th round quarterback target Superflex is is Sam Darnold. Um, I just think, you know, people are taking backup quarterbacks in that range anyways. There's, like, no one who really has a clear path to starting. And to me, you know, a Trey Lance trade plus Brock Purdy just not being healthy or not being good enough. And, you know, even if Purdy's, like, healthy enough to play and the 49ers start, like, two and five, aren't they calling for Darnold to get some playing time? Like he looked good last year in Carolina. He at least has the pedigree. Like, I don't think it's that crazy that Darnold starts games next year with the contract he got. So uh, yeah, I, I am like throwing up my hands a little bit with, with San Francisco and saying, uh, I'm not really taking much Purdy. I'm taking a little bit of Lance, but um, I think right now I actually kind of like Darnold the most as, as weird as that sounds between those
2: three guys. I like I liked Arnold uh especially with the 49ers like last year, like he was good last year. There is like he was. looking at the data, he was like he was like one of the best quarterbacks in the paper play. Like he had a good CPUE, I believe. And like he just didn't make the just brain-dead mistakes that he made every single year of his career up until last year. He was also like managed and curated to an absurd degree where they just refuse to throw the football. So it's kind of easy when you are choosing your spots that much. And they ran the football well, which is hard to do in the NFL. Uh, But that's also a lot of the ways we describe the 49ers is they curate their quarterbacks to get the most out of them while masking Jimmy Garoppolo's slurry of deficiencies and they have an efficient run game. They play balance. Like those are all the things we describe about the 49ers quarterbacks, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo and the rest of them. And that's a lot of what we saw from Sam Darnold last year. And it worked for him. He he actually did cut out the terrible mistakes. One that like the funniest thing is he threw the ball away at the highest clip in his career by far. Like, just was like okay not being superman which uh for him please god don't be superman you're not that so like they found a system that worked for him it's not a long-term winning system in the nfl but it made him a passable starting quarterback and now he's on the roster where all we can talk about is one that the the like starter starter who i'm calling brock purdy definitely not gonna play week one and trey lance we're talking about every possible team that could take him like So Darnold feels like a pretty good bet for some starts this year. I wouldn't bet on a ton of them, but like, you don't need a ton of them at his price. And I think he'd do okay. Like in this system.
1: I'm with you there. And again, and this is maybe like reading too much into it, but I think Darnold had to have been told something when he, he signed that deal. Maybe the NFL is just, this is
3: Gretchen. This is Gretchen's whole deal is that, is that they definitely said like, we're going to let you be the backup or we're going to, if Brock's not ready, we're going to give you a chance to win the job in camp or something. I would
2: guess that was it, that like you'll get a chance to win the job. They probably know that Purdy is like, maybe Purdy will be physically ready by the start of the season, but he'll have missed so much the off season. You probably don't want to throw that guy in the fire. I would bet they did tell him like, no, you'll, like, we're not BSing. you'll get a legitimate shot to beat Lance out in camp. Or maybe he won't be here. Maybe they also threw that out as an idea. I totally agree yeah, with this.
1: Because otherwise, like he could have if he just like wanted to get some starts in this year and like, you know, get a contract for next year, he could have gone to the Falcons, he could have gone to the Bucks. Like there were other landing spots that I think had a clear path to him getting starts. And I think he chose this for a reason. I don't think he chose this because he's an idiot. I think he chose this for a reason. And obviously he's certainly not guaranteed to get starts, but like I think. There's a probability there. Otherwise, why did he make this decision? Unless the NFL is just completely done on like out on Darnold. But I, I don't think they are. Um, but we will see. Um I mean
3: the Chiefs just signed um what's his name? What is the name of the The Chiefs backup quarterback. It's oh, is hilarious. It Blaine Chad, Chad Henning? Ga- yeah, no, Blaine Gabbert. Hennie, yeah. yeah, he just got signed as a backup quarterback. So Darnold has like 10 more years left of making a couple million dollars a year.
1: Yeah, he he's going to be around for a while. He's showed enough to at least get backup money for, for the rest of his life. It's a it's a pretty good job. He's only 25 years old. He's going to make, you know, three to eight million a year for the next 10 years. Uh, good for you, Sam Darnold. Uh, Evan Ingram is a name that pops up here as a faller. And I wanted to use that to transition... Uh, into talking about the Jaguars. So this view here um, is the expensive team level ADPs. And how I define this is the average ADP of the top five players. Um, And the Jags uh, show up here as the fourth most expensive team behind only the Eagles, the Vikings, which is a little bit surprising, uh, the 49ers, that makes more sense with all the skill position players they have. But the Jags are fourth and... Yeah, I I haven't gotten to projections and like looking at all that yet, but like with the Jags, it just strikes me as a team where it's gonna be hard to get the math to work on each individual player. Like they have Ridley, they have Ingram, they have Christian Kirk, they got Etienne, they got Zay Jones, like they have all these guys that, you know, I think command a role in the offense and command targets. And I've just been like struggling to find the angle of how. I want to play this team because I, I, I kind of want to bet on Trevor Lawrence, like amazing year two jump up, you know, considered sort of a generational prospect. He has even some rushing upside to score some points that way. So I want to bet on Lawrence, but like each time I'm clicking one of these wide receivers, I'm just like, how, how does this work? So maybe I'm overthinking it, but Kyle, do you have thoughts on the Jags? Like, do you agree they should be like, you know, the fourth most expensive team in fantasy? How, how are you thinking about them going into this next season?
2: I'm I'm probably fine with that because like you look at the other teams like who do we expect to score more points like the Jags or the Vikings like honestly give me the Jags like far yeah. better quarterback uh, like far deeper team receiver even though they obviously don't have the wide receiver one like I'm I, I'd be fine uh, betting on them I'd be fine betting on them over San Francisco who like especially when you think about the pass catchers like. How do we, you know, how do we make the math work to get like all of these guys? Like last year, the math didn't work in that. Like Debo couldn't keep running for these long touchdowns and couldn't be so, so efficient in like every efficiency metric. Uh, And they had the rotating cast of quarterback, but like. A lot of these teams it's kind of hard to make the math work for uh a lot of the teams that are expensive and then some of the teams that are cheap you're like well technically some of these guys i don't like are are, they come in as values for me but like as far as teams i'm willing to bet on to uh sort of live up to what is essentially being kind of overpriced like the jaguars having elite quarterback play like a deep cast of receivers and i think a really smart coaching staff like i'm fine betting on them to be that maybe i don't like super stack them because at some point probably someone does have to miss out but like Yeah, I'm fine with that. I could see them also like passing a ton. Lawrence takes another step because we already saw him do it once. And like you said, he was just like one of the best quarterback prospects in a long time. Like it would not be surprising to see him like reach the like Joe Burrow levels of like, oh, everyone on this offense can hit. And maybe they don't hit like every week, but you get super big spike weeks. And that makes up for the lulls and the lack of this. You know, these are a little overpriced. But if it happens in booms, like that's what we want in basketball. So I'm actually fine with them being a team that people are like willing to pay up for. That that makes sense to me. A team like Minnesota, that one makes less sense to me. Yeah. I'm with you there. And
3: the better the better gamble team is the is the Dolphins. I mean, that is just that is if Tua if Tua doesn't have a traumatic brain injury and forced to retire in the middle of the season, the the waddle reek ceiling games combined with getting your twenty five or whatever from two of the weeks that they really blow up. I mean it's really, it's really a good situation, I think.
1: Yeah, the Miami one is interesting because if you now we're flipping to the double stacks value because the offense is so concentrated, they're actually the mm-hmm. second most expensive double stack. But then because the pieces after that are so cheap, you can actually kind of do like if you want to just pick one of the wide receivers, uh, Waddle or Tyreek, grab Tua, and then say, hey, they're going to score points. Let me take Jeff Wilson and let me take whatever tight end they draft i guess we don't know that now so it's hard to do um then i think it like starts to be a pretty interesting team that you can grab a lot of their points um with just taking you know four players at not a huge cost um but i want to get back like to the jags for a second like i'm a little confused why and again this is maybe like nitpicking but like why as a fantasy market are we taking justin herbert over trevor lawrence like Lawrence was better than Herbert last year in terms of because fantasy big points.
3: because big big NFL media wants you to think that Justin Herbert is the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean Justin Herbert, uh, career losing record. No one no one wants to admit that there's a chance <laughs> Justin Herbert might be mid. No one no one wants to admit it, but there there are signs that he could could be mid.
1: Yeah, I I, I don't know if I'm like that down on Herbert as, as you yeah, are, but it's like. But, like, Lawrence, I've, I've, it's, Lawrence it's, was a it's better... A bit, it's a bit. Yeah. Yeah, I I do think there's, like, a, a tiny bit of truth to it, though, that, like... The Lawrence first half of
2: it, I felt good about. Lawrence was Lawrence was better, but that's not, like, an indictment of Herbert. Lawrence, I think Lawrence is underrated. It's not that Herbert... Maybe Herbert's a little sure, underrated. Sure, sure. The first but, half of the bit is where the truth really comes from.
1: Yeah. But, yeah, Lawrence was better than him last year, just talking fantasy points. I, I'm not sure about advanced metrics, I think, even and the I think he's
2: better Lawrence. in EPA, too, and maybe yeah. CPOE.
1: Yeah. But anyways, you know, I think Lawrence is more upset as a rusher. The Jags added Calvin Ridley, who we're taking, you know, as a top 24 wide receiver and the Chargers have added nobody Sure, Maybe they had someone in the draft, but like right now, I'm just like, what is the point of taking Justin Herbert over Trevor Lawrence? Like, I don't, I don't really get it. Obviously he flashed well, one- that ceiling in a year two, but like, I think Lawrence is just on an upward trajectory and Herbert, I'm not so sure.
3: I think one thing you could argue is that if they stop doing three dot targets to Austin Eckler is their primary
2: mode of moving the ball. Unreal how dumb that was. Oh my they could, God. They could
3: be they could be a lot better sure. on offense if they stop doing that. New offensive coordinator. I mean, Herbert was yeah.
2: near dead last in dot. Like, that is not how you score fantasy points. Uh, like, I think some of that is him. Like, Mike Williams doesn't create separation, but like, even like, you know, ESPN chart him as like one of the best like catchers, like he catches balls that most receivers don't catch. And like Herbert's like, nah, I'm not going to throw to that dude. And like, I, I get that like 50, 50 balls, like are not a winning strategy, but dude, neither is negative one, a dot targets to to Austin Eckler. And so some of that is probably on him and his style. It's more like the style we saw him play in college. Some of that is probably also the offensive design, which should not carry over this year because they become more now. So I think like that would be the bull case on Justin Herbert is that like the offensive design uh, and losing Keenan Allen for a bunch of last season also hurt. Offensive design was bad. His number one receiver for most of the year was not a player he stylistically fits with. And maybe they had a receiver or just get Keenan Allen back for the whole year that helps improve that. But like you have to work your way. You have to spin your tail to get him back to the point where he's as efficient as Trevor Lawrence. Whereas Trevor Lawrence, like, you almost have to spin a tail where he doesn't do as well as last year because he's has been in Calvin Ridley.
1: Yeah, that that's my thought. But I think that is a fair point. Like, you shouldn't ignore the fact that this new offensive coordinator, their wide receivers last year, I don't think Keenan Allen and Mike Williams played together in, in many games at all last year. They were sort of rotating, being being banged up. So, yeah, they're, they're certainly, there's certainly upside. And, for-
3: it, and it turns out Josh Palmer is not, in fact, him. He's, no. he's <laughs> just a guy. He's just a guy. He's just Josh Palmer.
2: Yeah. Also, they did technically lose Jalen Guyton at some point. I think he tore his ACL like week
3: five or something. I want to say he actually. I think Jalen Guyton was in the XFL. Uh,
2: the this most recent. Did, I make, this or up? The first did I make this up? I think you. I think you made it up because I was grinding all these.
3: I did. Leagues, You're right. So. I did. I did.
1: I would have believed it if if Kyle wasn't here. I would have I would have let that one. Slide. One it's, one of the activity.
3: one of the Chargers one of the Chargers depth guys who'd been there forever was was in the XFL. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna go figure this out. I gotta do it.
2: I'm gonna figure it out before you do. All
1: right. While <laughs> while Davis is looking into that. Um... Kyle, do you have, like, maybe pick a team, again, we're looking at the double stacks here, so sort of average uh, ADP value of a quarterback and the top two pass catchers on a team. Do you have, like, sort of a grosser, like, back half team that you want to advocate for, maybe a team that you've been stacking up in best ball so far that, that you feel pretty good about their, their cost?
2: Um, Let me see here. I think... Or, go ahead.
1: Yeah, or just pick, if you have a team that higher up, you want to... Go advocate for as well. That's that's totally fine. Doesn't have to be a bottom of the barrel team.
2: I'll I'll go with I'll go with Green Bay here. I think we're pretty likely like when you get into like you look at the teams all surrounding oh, there's Giants next to them are kind of not bad too. Uh when you look at the teams like all surrounding <laughs> Green Bay, though, it's truly the teams that like quarterback not projected to play six seventeen games, quarterback not projected to yeah. play 17 games, and like terrible receiver room, terrible bad offensive line, and like if you just like you're just kind of gambling on Jordan Love, and like the offense is, is a little stagnant these days, but like if you just gamble on Jordan Love being stuck behind four time MVP Aaron Rodgers, uh, and you say like maybe he's fine, like maybe he's yeah. decent, that's a pretty underpriced stack for having like one really talented receiver maybe not a target dominator but a really talented receiver and then it'll this one is like you mentioned earlier it might be a little easier to do once we figure out who their next receiver is very well yep. could be a rookie or tight end like they don't have a pass catching like Josiah girl. I'm not drafting that guy maybe they draft tight end but like they don't quite fit the bill of like Tampa Bay Indy Tennessee Houston we either do not know who their starter is uh or it is is multiple guys it's not one guy so
1: yeah that makes sense. And you mentioned, Um, I, I'm kind of in on that. I'm a little skeptical of like love, but it totally makes sense. Like cost adjusted. That's, it's a pretty cheap bet. And I feel really good about love starting down the stretch. So that's a good one. You mentioned the giants offhand. That's been a weird one for me because like individually, I don't love Daniel Jones value. I don't love Darren Waller's value. But do you but,
3: love Daniel Jones with 900 slot
1: wide receivers? Uh, that's what <laughs> I love. <laughs> Just give me Paris Campbell, Wandale Robinson. No, but like, if, I, I don't know, I kind of am a believer in day ball and I'm kind of a believer that like, sure, Daniel Jones did not look that great last year, but he had the worst wide receiver room in the NFL. Like, I don't know how you argue otherwise. Like yeah. it was,
2: it was brutal. also his and- advanced stats were like good, not, not like cagey good, but like. He was like six in CPOE, 11th in EPA per play while definitely having like the worst second or third worst wide receivers. And maybe like, I do think a lot of that is Dable. Like I think Dable designed a really good offense for what he was working with, both at receiver and at quarterback. You know, who's still coaching this team? Brian Dable. Like, like, yeah, Daniel Jones was good last year and I don't think he's that good of a quarterback, but I don't think enough has changed. I mean, nothing has changed for the worse, really. For you to say like, he can't be efficient, even if that efficiency is uh, manufactured in a way.
1: Yeah. And, and he runs yeah. the ball a lot,
2: which is also nice. You want those.
1: And That's cool. again, like not to just be, you know, only focused on fantasy points of last year. That's not how we should project things going forward. But we just talked about Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. Daniel Jones outscored both those guys in fantasy points last year because he rushed for 700 yards, seven rushing touchdowns. like. I'd be willing to project like maybe the seven TDs kind of, he hit his higher end of the outcome there. Like maybe you say he's more projectable for 500 yards and three rushing touchdowns or whatever, but he could take a pretty big leap in passing and maintain like decent rushing stats just because like, not because he's getting better as a player, just because he has good coaching year two in that system. And they're upgrading the pass catchers significantly, even if it's not an amazing pass catching core, it's still significant upgrades to what they're working with last year. So I, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel super great. Daniel Jones in the second round of super flex, but like, I think it's, it's pretty good when you consider how cheap the pass catchers are like the overall cost adjustment of the sack. Da- Davis mean, thoughts.
3: I don't love the Daniel Jones. Price. It, I mean, Waller is probably a bet. I'm going to make a ton this year. Like if Waller, if Waller is quite inexpensive relative to the like actual elite tight ends i could just you could just you could really just talk yourself into uh him you know basically being 2018 Waller again i i yeah. i can at least um and maybe you know maybe he totally doesn't have the juice anymore but that's probably a stack you would like i mean we literally did just see Daniel Jones score like 35 points in week 17 so we we sort of have the evidence um that he can do it. But I also don't think Daniel Jones is that good. So I so the NFL figuring out a way to stop what worked for them on offense last year would also make sense. But they've given him uh, you know, he's not throwing to Daniel Bellinger and uh Isaiah Hodgins. Isaiah anymore, Hodgins, so.
2: dude, I'm pretty sure they picked up Isaiah Hodgins after week five, when the bills cut him, uh, and that would be the, that, is correct. that would be the case only because uh, Hodgins was playing for a coach. He had like, he was about to go play for a coach he had already played for. Like they were starting legit non NFL caliber, according to other teams, according to the bills, not a 53 man guy. And he was an important piece of the offense in the playoffs. Yeah.
1: yeah. And maybe, it, maybe it's a better argument for non super i I'm with you, Davis at like, you're, you got to take Daniel Jones and pass up on like Cooper cup or something. And, and like, I'm I'm kind of questionable about the upside calculation there, but in one QB drafts, I think I'm probably going to be hammering Daniel Jones this year. Um, just because again, I think the pass catchers are going to be dirt cheap. The thing is like, if you, if you hit on a late, like a late stack in the leverage weeks, it just means that, you know, you have all of your uncorrelated running backs and wide receivers early And you just need like a couple of those to go off and then you hit on like your 10th round quarterback and your whatever Darren Waller is going to be ninth round tight end and then a 15th round like wide receiver like that gives you a lot of upside just with how cheap they're going to be. So um, we'll see how Daniel Jones price actually lands uh, this offseason and see what they add in terms of wide receivers. But I think it's going to be something I like this year uh, just from like sort of a cost play. Any other team? Anybody want to uh, talk about any other teams here on this list? Uh, any other stacks? It's just that, that truly hilarious
3: to me to see the Patriots last on this. I, I know. Mean, I It's. Was just, it's by that. I'm really.
1: I'm really loving it. It is. It's been a. It's been a tough year for the. Uh, the Belichick <laughs> defender. Like the funniest thing. I think we talked about it two weeks ago. That they were literally having Matt Patricia like be the the architect for their buildings like he was rudman
3: rudman told me that and i i <laughs> thought he was lying and he wasn't
1: they were so cheap they didn't want to hire a separate uh, offensive coordinator and like uh architect for their building they were designing so they're just like yeah oh, matt patricia just design a, a shitty offense and, and build one of our buildings for us uh we'll save some money it's just absurd um yeah i I think, again, the the Jets are another one that stand out to me is maybe a little undervalued for the the secondary pieces just relative to, like, their odds of winning the Super Bowl. But we've touched on them, so I don't think a ton. A ton else to go through here. Um, Awesome. Let's get into, uh, as we do every week, let's talk through each of our favorite values in drafts this year. Again, we're trying to... um, Know if you look at Leone's research at established around, he had some great work showing that getting closing line ADP value on players is really huge for, for your advance rates and sort of for the upside of your team. So I think this is a valuable exercise trying to figure out which guys are undervalued. Again, obviously, pre-draft it's a bit of a lottery with the landing spot stuff. But, anyways, Kyle, what is your uh favorite player? that you think is going to gain the most closing line value from now
2: until August. Tony Pollard. I think he'll almost certainly make it to the draft unscathed. I don't think Bijan even makes it to them. Like I do think they would be a risk take Bijan if he made it there. doesn't seem like he's even going to make it to them. Yeah. Uh, and at that point, they're probably not even in a position to take Gibbs who almost certainly goes high day two They're They obviously don't pick high day two. And then Charbonnet, maybe they're in a position to take, and I'd be a little concerned if they got him. Yeah, like he'd pick up a lot of touches, and that's it. That is like the stone cold list of players. I It would make me think twice about taking Tony Pollard. Like Bijan takes his job. Bijan's that good. Gibbs takes a lot of high value touches. Charbonnet maybe just takes a lot of low value touches, but he'd probably take a lot of them, and that's it. Like, I, if they take, I love Izzy. They take it, or Roshan. I love Roshan. They take these guys. I don't care. Tony Pollard's getting a ton of touches and all the high value touches. And like, if you, I mean, maybe you just say, like, oh, running back efficiency is nothing tied to the running back. We always project him for average. Like, if you're that much of a nihilist about running backs don't matter, sure, you're not gonna like him. If you have any like
3: I, I'm a nihilist like, about every running back except for Tony Pollard.
2: I, I am too. Like I, I do think <laughs> running backs don't matter that much, but like Tony Pollard's good. Good, like Tony Pollard's yeah. good screw you. He's going to be efficient. Maybe he's not as efficient, like breaking his long runs as he, as he was last year, but I would comfortably, I mean, if I'm doing projections, I'm making him the most efficient running back. Even I'm not making him as efficient as he was last year or his peak year. I'm making him one of the best running backs at all things too. So I think it's pretty likely he escapes the draft without competition. That worries me. And if you're granting him way more touch than we got last year and even scaling back his efficiency a bit just not to league average he looks like the rb like two or three like you're gonna do projections and it's gonna blow your mind so to me like I, I see i see the draft going fine for him and us getting to june july and saying like why aren't we treating this guy as the fourth best running back in the league like i think he I, might be yeah. like the most talented running back in the league yeah what if, if he's, not he's what like if he's, second what if, if
3: fourth is not high enough
1: i'm i, I yeah. know I'm all the way in on this take, and I I think like I think it's been absurd how the market has treated Tony Pollard in the pre-draft stuff. He's going so in the Super Flex, he's going pick 42 overall, RB 11. Like man, y- you want a pick that has the upside to be the RB like, one? Like he has RB one
2: overall upside by like a mile. There aren't a ton of guys who I think can compete with like yes. CMC or like the peak of Saquon. He is one of them, and you don't have to squint to see it at all. It's unreal.
1: And you don't even like, okay, I'm sorry, but if you're taking Devonta Smith and T Higgins, who are going right around Tony Pollard in drafts, unless you have their quarterbacks, like you're, you're playing scared. If you're taking even, I think honestly, if you're taking CD lamb uh, ahead of Tony Pollard, I think you're playing scared. Like what is CD lambs upside to be the wide receiver one overall, like better than Tyree kill Jamar chase, Justin Jefferson. Like I straight up don't see that happening. I think he's an awesome player, like very safe, top 12 wide receiver, wide receiver one overall being the best player in fantasy. I do not see that with CD lamb. I see that with Tony Pollard. And I I think he's like 15 picks underpriced, which is crazy. Like to say at pick 42, but like he is, he is crazy underpriced in my mind. And maybe I'm underrating like the broken leg stuff, but like people say that, you know, the injury is not a huge concern. People usually come back from um, those, those breaks and be fine. So yeah, I couldn't agree more with you, Kyle. I I don't. I, I've never understood the Tony Pollard stuff. Maybe it is just like the Bijan fears that that people have in their back of their head, but I, I'm kind of writing that off as like quite unlikely. So, um, I'm all the way in there. Davis, who's your yeah? Who's your guy? I
3: I have one. I haven't. Uh, I had not thought of this yet, yeah. but I think Jahan Dotson is going to end up being a riser. I think he's going to get that year two buzz and now people are with all this i mean the the draft coverage has been so weird the last week or so it's like we've gotten houston actually as levis is number two on their board and actually no one likes cj stroud and actually like, you know just it's all everywhere but it, the the one thing that seemed interesting to me is the commanders throwing their hat in the ring to having uh a, a chance at one of these guys and the market will just get jazzed up uh, if anthony richardson or cj stroud or whatever is the quarterback for the commanders. And, uh, I'm also notedly not a Terry McLaurin guy. So I, I like, uh, I like John Dotson.
1: I like that. I like that one. Um, and I've seen some work. I'm not gonna be able to like quote the the stats now, but if you look at the back half of his rookie year compared to the the front half, he did show a lot of promise in terms of earning more targets. Um, he kind of survived the first half of last year, just like making crazy touchdown catches um, but actually, like, wasn't drawing a high rate of targets. The second half of the year, uh, once they sort of phased Curtis Samuel out a little bit more, he looked he looked pretty promising. So, um, yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'll go with for for mine. Um, there's a couple wide receivers I want to mention here. I think I'll go with Marquise Brown uh, as my favorite pick. He's going at around pick. 95 right now and with him i think there's a there's a couple things number one i think the deandre hopkins move does happen and even though that should be baked into uh brown's price i don't think it really is right now the fact that he's going to be the wide receiver one on that offense so once hopkins leaves i imagine he jumps up a bit in price Num- number two I yeah he, he I think he's a pretty solid wide receiver like I don't think he has upside to be you know top 12 fantasy wide receiver top six I'm, I'm not saying that but once you survive the first half of the year with Colt McCoy or whoever is going to be at quarterback you're likely to get Kyler back you're no longer going to have the Cliff Kingsbury offense you know who, who knows with this offensive coaching staff it's going to be if it's going to be any good but I think there's at least upside that it's better than the scheme that Kingsbury drew up um And I think Brown is going to be the clear alpha target earner on that offense. You know, you have Rondell Moore, Trey McBride, Zacherts, Greg Dortch there. Like none of those other guys really stand out as awesome talents. Um, They're more sort of middling uh, tertiary pieces. So I like Marquise Brown a lot as just a professional wide receiver. You can get him really late in drafts now as sort of your wide receiver four, wide receiver five. And I think down the stretch with Kyler back at quarterback, he has a lot of upside in those, those last couple of weeks.
3: Yeah, I'm with that. I mean, he just is really good, right? <laughs> sometimes, sometimes, just... and sometimes the market just sort of forgets things like that. So I'm I'm with you. Yeah,
0: It's a Tyler totally like Lockett
2: thing where like, oh, this dude produces a bunch. He's only ever been good in his career. But like, you probably can't say he's ever going to get like 1600 yards. You can't spin that narrative. And you're like, I'm just going to forget about him. Everyone's like, ah, I'm just going to forget about him. And he's probably <sighs> just going to keep producing. And like you said, like, if we're specifically looking for a closing line value, he's going to go up when Hopkins is traded. There's just no way he doesn't go up. Like that's just how the market works.
1: Yeah. The market is funny. Like they, the market always double counts things. Like even though like something like that should obviously be baked into his price, like people yeah. want to see the news and be like, Oh, he should be going higher. So there's always this like double counting effect that I think is interesting. Whether that matters, like whether you should be trying to get guys that are going to get that double counting effect. I'm not so sure. I will have to think through that more, but he at least I think will definitely get it. And if, so if you want him on your teams, I think drafting him now is is sort of the sharp way to play it. Awesome. Um, excited for the NFL draft next week to actually see where some of these guys land. Uh, Kyle, you talked a bit about it at the beginning. Um, I think, or no, maybe that was when we were offline. But yeah, what can we expect um, next week for you with uh, NFL, NFL draft content coming out at uh, Roto-World?
2: I have all of my pre-draft dynasty rankings up. I have team needs for every every team. Uh, next week will be my final mock. And then I'll probably rerun my stuff for all of my dynasty rankings just after the draft. i like, that'll probably come out the week after. Awesome.
3: Great stuff. Can't wait. Can't wait to read all your blurbs on draft night. <laughs>
1: Davis, what do you have? Uh, anything going on next week um, for the draft? Uh, you want to plug?
3: Yeah, I'm going to hop on Ship Chasing. I'll probably do one more pre-draft show. I have a newsletter coming out later today. All the goods stuff. Actually, by the time people are listening to this, because we're pre-recording, it'll already be out. So uh, look, out, look out for that.
1: Awesome. Um, and yeah, trying to think of things. I think I'll also be on the draft show for Ship Chasing next Thursday uh, for some period of time. So definitely come hang out um, and watch that. Um, And otherwise, yeah, excited next week to see where these guys land and and there'll be a crazy ADP movement to talk through um, next week. So anyways, uh, for me, for Davis, for Kyle, um, this was a great show and we will see all of you guys.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me.